and with some reason. He had been the only freelance picture reporter on the Capitol grounds when the visitors from the unknown had arrived, and had obtained the first professional shots of the ship. He had witnessed at close hand every event of the next mad few days. He had thereafter photographed many times the eight-foot robot, the ship, and the beautiful slain ambassador, Klaatu, and his imposing tomb out in the center of the tidal basin. And such was the continuing news value of the event to the billions of persons throughout habitable space. He was there now once more to get still other shots, and, if possible, a new angle. This time he was after a picture which showed Gnut as weird and menacing. The shots he had taken the day before had not given quite the effect he wanted, and he hoped to get it today. But the light was not yet right, and he had to wait for the afternoon to wane a little. The last of the crowd admitted in the present group hurried in, exclaiming at the great pure green curves of the mysterious time-space traveler. Then, completely forgetting the ship, at sight of the awesome figure and great head of the giant Gnut, hinged robots of crude man-like appearance were familiar enough, but never had earthling eyes lain on one like this, for Gnut had almost exactly the shape of a man, a giant, but a man, with greenish metal for man's covering flesh and greenish metal for man's bulging muscles. Except for a loincloth, he was nude. He stood like the powerful god of the machine of some undreamt-of scientific civilization, on his face a look of sullen, brooding thought. Those who looked at him did not make jests or idle remarks, and those nearest him usually did not speak at all. His strange, internally illuminated red eyes were so set that every observer felt they were fixed on himself alone and he engendered a feeling that he might at any moment step forward in anger and perform unimaginable deeds. A slight rustling sound came from speakers hidden in the ceiling above, and at once the noises of the crowd lessened. The recorded lecture was about to be given. Cliff sighed. He knew the thing by heart, had even been present when the recording was made, and met the speaker, a young chap named Stilwell. "'Ladies and gentlemen,' began a clear and well-modulated voice, but Cliff was no longer attending. The shadows in the hollows of Gnut's face and figure were deeper. It was almost time for his shot. He picked up and examined the proofs of the pictures he had taken the day before, and compared them critically with the subject. As he looked, a wrinkle came to his brow. He had not noticed it before, but now, suddenly, he had the feeling that since yesterday, something about Gnut was changed— the pose before him was the identical one in the photographs. Every detail on comparison seemed the same, but nevertheless the feeling persisted. He took up his viewing glass and more carefully compared subject and photographs, line by line. And then he saw that there was a difference. With sudden excitement, Cliff snapped two pictures at different exposures. He knew he should wait a little and take others, but he was so sure he had stumbled on an important mystery that he had to get going, and, quickly folding his accessory equipment, he descended the ladder and made his way out. Twenty minutes later, consumed with curiosity, he was developing the new shots in his hotel bedroom. What Cliff saw when he compared the negatives taken yesterday and today caused his scalp to tingle. Here was a slant indeed, and apparently no one but he knew. Still, what he had discovered, though it would have made the front page of every paper in the solar system, was, after all, only a lead. The story, what really had happened, he knew no better than anyone else. It must be his job to find out. And that meant he would have to secrete himself in the building and stay there all night. That very night, there was still time for him to get back before closing. 
he would take a small, very fast infrared camera that could see in the dark, and he would get the real picture and the story. He snatched up the little camera, grabbed an air cab, and hurried back to the museum. The place was filled with another section of the ever-present queue, and the lecture was just ending. He thanked heaven that his arrangement with the museum permitted him to go in and out at will. He had already decided what to do. First, he made his way to the floating guard and asked a single question, and anticipation broadened on his face as he heard the expected answer. The second thing was to find a spot where he would be safe from the eyes of the men who would close the floor for the night. There was only one possible place, the laboratory set up behind the ship. Boldly, he showed his press credentials to the second guard, stationed at the partitioned passageway leading to it, stating that he had come to interview the scientists, and in a moment was at the laboratory door. He had been there a number of times and knew the room well. It was a large area, roughly partitioned.